Welcome to Doctor Who's 50 and 50, episode 48. Today we're discussing story 155, Battlefield. The Doctor is played by Sylvester McCoy, and the companion is Ace. This story originally opened season 26, which was the final season of the original run of the series. It ran from September 6th to September 27th of 1989. It is a four-part story, although the two-disc DVD collection includes a feature-length edit that removes the repeated footage and the opening and closing credits on the intermittent chapters. The basic plot is that Morgane Le Fay is coming through time sideways, looking to obtain Excalibur and take over the world. So it's not just from the past, but also from a parallel universe, although she did originate in the past. She's just used the parallel universe as part of her path to get here. And the Doctor and Ace show up, and they help the military deal with it, and message gets to the original brigadier, Alistair Gordon Lethbridge Stewart, who is now retired, and he comes out of retirement to help fight the threat when he hears that the doctor's involved. Along the way, we get some pretty strong implications that a future regeneration of the doctor actually was Merlin in the Arthurian times. We get hints in terms of the doctor writing a note to himself. We get hints as, you know, they're unearthing some relics in an archaeological dig. And the guy says, no one's been able to translate it. And the doctor says, dig here. And the archaeologist turns to him and says, how did you know what it said? Well, it's my writing. Which opens up a bunch of questions for where his stint as Merlin is going to fit into continuity. Perhaps it was the Paul McGann doctor. Perhaps it was potentially Christopher Eccleston before his appearance in Rose, that seems unlikely since his behavior in Rose indicates that's a fresh regeneration. It could have been during the sabbatical that Matt Smith's doctor takes, about two centuries worth of a galactic tour. In any event, that is an interesting question to play with. So the doctor, Ace, some new friends, and soon new allies join forces to fight back, some of these allies being members of King Arthur's court who have also come through. And we get some callbacks to the classics, just as season 25 had, by not just including the Brigadier, but now Bessie, the doctor's souped-up car from his time with Unit during his exile, is also here, with Who 7 as the license plate instead of Who 3. It also introduces Doris as the Brigadier's wife, which does a pretty nice job of handling his retirement and showing that you know where the Brigadier ends up. So on the upside, we get some great callbacks to the original series. We get a good story in its own right. We get a chance for Ace to show herself not just by blowing things up or, you know, standing there and taking some actions, but whether it was scripted, directed, or just Sophie Aldred, we see some definite choices that are being made to help Ace stand out. For example, when they're walking through an archaeological site and everybody else is just calmly walking over uneven ground as it dips up and down through some of the shallow digs, you know, Sophie's jumping over it as Ace, like a, you know, basically like a, a young schoolgirl would, just getting a little bit playful. We also get more hints of that Cartmel master plan we've been talking about for the last couple of days. This is the third of four stories that have these indications. Now, the downside is that the budget to do the demon for the final battle just wasn't there. And while it looks better than some of the earlier monsters, for a series coming out in parallel to the third season of Star Trek Next Generation, it just wasn't up to the television standards of the time. Uh, the Doctor also has some new abilities that come out of nowhere, which are part of the hints towards that Cartmel master plan. He's able to hypnotize people as the master does without additional tools, whereas up to this point he always had had to put a shining object going back and forth in front of them or something else along those lines. All in all, it is an enjoyable story, especially if you do have the familiarity with uh, especially the John Pertwee era to really appreciate a lot of the references that were being made. When it comes to the reasons this story was chosen over a lot of the other ones, one of the reasons it was chosen is largely because the Curse of Fenric was unavailable. As you mentioned before, a lot of the stories that we're dealing with 
and the companions that we've discussed are here because the Bureau 42 readers voted that these are their favorite companions and favorite stories for those companions or for the villains and whatnot. This didn't really make any of the favorites lists. The Curse of Fenric did, which is unfortunately out of print and doesn't seem to be available in my local retailers at this point. So I wasn't able to bring in that story, which was the favorite Sylvester McCoy story. Remembrance of the Daleks came in second. This was the same season as Curse of Fenric, with the same companion, so it's going to be a comparable tone. One of the other reasons it was chosen is that it is the last regular appearance of the Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart in the regular run of the show, although he does return in 2008 for the second season of the Sarah Jane Adventures. But with the Brigadier being one of the Doctor's most popular allies, if not counting as a formal companion because he didn't do any long-term traveling in the TARDIS itself, then this seemed like a worthy episode and worthwhile to talk about. And I'm finding it was generally good. I'm a little surprised by seeing the records of the deteriorating ratings of this run of the series. I do quite enjoy the dynamic between McCoy and Ace, and I do intend to track down the stories I don't have for them at the soonest convenience. That's pretty much everything I have to say about Battlefield. Please join us again tomorrow when we discuss Doctor Who, the movie. Thank you for listening. Hey, it's me again. We have another addendum coming up here today. Thanks in large part to a friend of mine. Thank you, Anthony. I have obtained a copy of The Curse of Fenric, as the viewers voted for their favorite episode, so we're throwing in a little bonus content going through that today. So The Curse of Fenric was broadcast as story 158, making it the second last broadcast story. My understanding was actually the last story that they'd filmed in the course of the season. And when they found out the series was going on hiatus, they took a look at the stories they had, realized survival was easier to turn into a series finale, and they reshot the last few minutes of that and used that instead. So this was the last full serial that was filmed and the second last aired. Now this one takes place now this one takes place during World War II. The Doctor encounters some people who are using code machines to try and fight against the Germans. There are Germans that come in and take the place of Russians. There are Russians there who are allies with Britain at the time. They're still allies at this point in the war. And they're working together for multiple purposes. In this case, the British people involved are actually looking to solve the mystery of Fenric, which is an old Norse legend dealing with eternal life. And that's their ultimate goal, is to gain that eternal life for themselves. Now, in the course of the story, they end up releasing things that are essentially modern-day vampires. They're initially referred to as vampires, and the doctor says, no, 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 they're something different. They were just the inspiration for the vampire legends. But for most intents and purposes, they are pretty much the same as vampires. They can walk out in the day, but they do feed on blood, and they do have almost like a siren call that helps them lure in prey, some sort of unusual and unnaturally strong appeal. But they are out there. It's another four-parter from this season, and it does tend to bring things into a nice light. Again, we get a decent showcase for Ace, and it pulls in a lot of her personal history and a lot of her background. So it starts off as a pretty typical episode, ends up with one of those almost paradoxical cases where it turns out Ace is instrumental in helping her mother get adopted when her mother was just a baby and getting her life back on the right track. So she ends up spending a lot of this story interacting with her grandmother and doesn't realize it's her grandmother at the time. There's also some hints to how she was able to conjure up a time storm in her dorm room in the 1980s using high school 
evil technology, turns out she had help from Fenric, who was trying to bring her in because she is part of this bloodline that he's feeding off of. So as much as I am pretty sick and tired of vampires, this one does tell a decent vampire story. And again, it pulls a lot into Ace's background here and brings it to the forefront. We also get a nice scene with the Doctor where he is basically able to best the villain by using a mental challenge. They're basically gambling on a game of chess. Now, one could argue it's not really a fair game because the only winning solution is to break the rules of chess, but that's the way it plays out. So if you enjoy vampires, this is certainly an episode to check out. If you like Ace as a character, you get some good background for her. Personally, I am tired enough of vampires that I'd say start with Battlefield or Remembrance of the Daleks or one of the other McCoy and Ace stories and get around to this one later. But that's about all we have for today. So join us again tomorrow when we talk about not just Doctor Who the movie, as was promised a few minutes ago, but we're also throwing in bonus content related to The Night of the Doctor. So please join us then. Thank you for listening.